Megan built her little free library from a kit because she wanted to make it into art. She sanded the wood and painted it with primer, then glued on the rocks she'd picked up from the Lake Superior shore over the summer and used acrylics to paint indigo swirls around them. When she mounted it on the post outside her St. Paul house, she decided to paint the post too and painted a fuchsia road winding around the box, winding around the post to the box at the top and outlined the road in smaller pebbles. There was a little bit of glitter in the fuchsia craft paint and she decided that the book cabinet should have some of that as well. Finally, she screwed on the sign that said Little Free Library with the instructions, take a book, return a book. In Little Free Library by Naomi Kritzer, a Little Free Library draws an intriguing patron. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. This is Short Story Short Podcast. I myself am Christopher J. Garcia, and today I am here with... Kristen L. Baxter. Hey, Christy. Yes? There's an award called the Hugos. I'm nominated for one, by the way. Really? Um, And if I were going to read one Hugo-nominated story, what story would it be? I think that you... A uh, man who has a Hugo nomination. If you were to read any story uh, that was nominated for a Hugo, it would be a Little Free Library by Naomi Kritzer. Now, let me say about this story several things. It's a story, it's online, and it's good. And the beauty of this is this is a type of story that sometimes gets accused of being fan service. This is something you write for people who are of uh, the sub community that you're a part of the sub subsect subsect that's good that's good i like where you've gone with that yes a subsect of society yeah i i think that see there's there's a little issue with ever being accused of fan service in that if you write something that can be accused of fan service you're also likely just writing something that made you happy <laughs> because you're part of that group too, you know? And so there's something about that that makes it feel like it almost can't be true because it's sort of, it's the Ouroboros eating itself, you know? It's, it's well, how can I be servicing the fans, which really, God, they need to find a better word for that. Um, <laughs> when uh, when I'm, I'm really, I'm doing this for myself and it's just a happy bonus is that other people like me enjoy it. And it, you know, like it is, is possibly more likely to be published because of that very fact. And I think there's also an, an aspect that a lot of people say that <laughs> that fan service is uh, necessarily a bad thing uh, that it's pandering to a community. And in this case, you know, if you're pandering to hardcore lovers of fantasy and science fiction, you're trying to gun to get those awards. I will say this though, it still has to be good to pass the sort of first hurdle. And I think this is a really, really good, adorable, well-structured story that really doesn't seem to get weird until oh i guess about a halfway through almost maybe even a third of the way through uh 
because at first we think it's just some sort of little fun mind game being played yeah it's it's a very it's a very good story and therefore i think it, it can rise above that accusation of of fan service in that respect also just to not to drag that conversation up but i think this is the one of the rare cases where authorial intent actually does play a part because if, if it's like you said and you're you're just do, doing it for for the potential of awards or whatever then i then i think that is fan service but if you're if you yourself enjoyed the ride as a writer I think then then that's fine and you're 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 in the good box the other people are in the bad box so but yeah it is very well structured it is interesting reading this for the first time you're like okay you know i can see i can see references to genre and that there's there's different genre books that that meg and the main character puts in the little free library that she sets out but you are kind of like it's very, very slow to pull the reader or, or, or to give the reader those genre elements. And in that way, I think that it subverts the fan service accusation because fans of, you know, fantasy are going to be reading this like, like getting impatient. Where is it? Where is it? And, and somebody who was really committed to fan service and just doing this for, for the accolades that they could potentially draw would most likely try to incorporate that aspect from the very beginning. Yeah, and I think that is actually a really interesting point. And I think one of the other part of that, that when you sort of drill down a level, you see that what she's actually done also is to bring about this idea of a thing like uh, a very simple single aspect of life can be magical because until the very last three sentences, none of the magic really invades in the world outside of the box. Yeah, it doesn't invade and it's not overt at all. It's it's all stuff that could, you know, there's 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 this exchange of goods through the little free, free library. She gives this this other this this patron of the library books. And they give her, you know, they give her notes, they give her things like a circlet of thin carved stone that was too big to be a ring and too small to be a bracelet, like uh, a, a feather, a leaf, drawings, you know, it's, it's all these things that they, they, they're just on the edge of magical. They seem, it's almost their whimsicality, is that a word? Sure. I really want it to be if it's not. So if it is not, I make it so. If it is, good. And so their the whimsicality that gives them that air of magic, that just whiff of magic, but it's not a strong scent. It's not overpowering. It's just barely there. It's, you're just like smelling it like, I think I smell apple pie, but it's like all the way on the other side of the house. You, you, you have apple pie? I don't have apple pie, actually. I kind of wish I did. You're a liar. Promises were made of apple pie nature. It's actually interesting. Actually, there's another callback that uh, I love about the, you know, too big to be to be a ring, too small to be a bracelet. Very end of the story, it was large, not enormous like an ostrich egg, but it filled the palm of her hand. This sort of idea that... What were you saying? Was that uh, the... All we know is that the proportions are out of whack. That... Because uh, there's the callback again to the egg 
that is not as big as an ostrich egg, but it filled her pull palm, just like the ring that is too, or the round thing that's too big to be a ring, too small to be a bracelet. And where that goes is that the only place where they intersect is over in the, the little library. And so between them, the scales change. And that is the sign of fantasy to me. It is where there is a limited dimension of reality that is different between the world that we understand. And this is this could easily be with just a little bit of a rewrite, a sort of a mainstream fiction of, of a, you know, Portland-like exchange between a little free library owner and a uh, well-intentioned hipster. But instead, we get this little bit of the fantastic out of it. And because of that and how contained it is, it exists within our world, but it is not our world. And I, I really love the idea. Okay, wait, wait, I guess I should back up and say, so I guess that would make it more along the lines of contemporary fantasy. But even in that realm, which is like the, the lightest touch of all fantasies, even in contemporary fantasy, it still is super light, light touch. There are people, this is the kind of fantasy the people who are less of the believers sort or who don't have particularly fertile imaginations and that's fine we need all you know it takes all kinds to make a world but those this is the kind of story that those people could be like well i can explain that there's no magic there you know it's that kind of story it's, it's not so so blatant and so obvious that you can't deny it there are there could be naysayers who could who could put that down so there is that aspect too but I also, I love the idea that it's the miniaturization of the library that connects our world to this smaller world. And you, you alluded to that. I just wanted to, to state how much I, I really appreciate that idea of it takes something small to bring something small. And thus, we arrive at the real meaning of this story. Attention to artistic detail. It's because she painted a road, because she put the stones on and did all the little things to make it like a library that it becomes an actual library. And that is a theme that actually runs through the history of fantasy. Uh, and there's sort of two different aspects there. Uh, there is this idea that if you treat a thing or a place as something magical, it becomes magical. This is actually the basis of chaos magic. But then there is the second thing, which also plays into this, which is, I have referred to it as the dangerous art of noticing. It is when you have a story like Night at the Museum, Toy Story, it is as long as you are not physically viewing it, you are actually enabling magic to happen in that place. Uh, one of the great examples of this is uh, Schrodinger's box, which 100% Schrodinger was a science fiction fan, killed a cat and just left it in the box and used that as a reason to explain it to his wife. I think that that plays here too. And those two aspects play within a sort of an overall realm called that I like to refer to as sort of a subset of secret history, or I guess it'd be secret present, which is a major part of sort of the contemporary fantasy, urban fantasy sort of realm. Uh, it's a branching tree. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. It is, it is very much a branching tree. You know what you're really good at? You're really good at touching on something that, that I, you, you hit on it and I'm like, oh, I have a thing to say about that. And then you say eight more things and they're all, they're all very smart and, and, and very 
very canny, but I'm still stuck on that first thing. <laughs> because once I get a, a thought that I think is like germane to the conversation, I'm like, hold on, hold on for dear life until it's your turn. So I'm going to go back to what you said about painting the road. And I think there's a really interesting idea that even that it ties this to the modern world even more and well modern and the ancient world I guess and that's paganism and intense you know I mean she maybe didn't intend she didn't have any intention of pulling in this new other world through the library so it's sort of like maybe a subconscious intent that she thought you know like the depicting the journey to the box or the way to the box you know and and the pebbles and everything was sort of you know the, I can't really, I can't really tell exactly what Megan was, was thinking there. She was just, she was just being whimsical and cute, but there's also a sense of reading is a journey. You know, there, there's also a sense of, you know, th this idea that, that, you know, every book is a different road that can, that can turn and twist in so many different directions. And so she's incorporating that and so there is this weird sort of intent that, that comes there, that's unintentional intent of connecting these worlds. Correct. <laughs> I think that that idea that <laughs> um, there's some there's some sort of point, I think, also here that the world that she's touching on is obviously a world of that we would see as fantastical. But what's amazing is that the world that we think is fantastical is still amazed by what we consider fantastical. Let me even rephrase that further. They are just as big Tolkien nuts as we are. Uh, <laughs> although I have never read any Tolkien. It's, oh, you know what? I should, I should take this, this moment to admit that um, as a child, I started reading The Hobbit, but I, I was easily distracted. Um, I was also a big rereader for comfort. So there was probably a Nancy Drew or something nearby that ended up getting picked up like from read for like the third time. So, um, or more, actually more, much more likely LM Montgomery. So, so yeah, I, I can, I'm with you there. I, I haven't, I've, you know, read, read much Tolkien, but yeah, there's this idea that the fantastic for us is just as fantastic for them. And I think, Honestly, I think that's a big part of the magic here that you feel reading this story. You know, we think about other realms and the peoples that might inhabit them, and we almost immediately ascribe this sort of jadedness to them, that they would be not only used to their own world, but also used to our world. But that's not necessarily true. There are certain parts of our world that definitely wouldn't be present in theirs. So we there would be that magic of introducing each other to the, the wonderful parts of your world, like Tolkien. And see, here's my, my theory. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And uh, Naomi Critcher, if you're listening to this, uh, stop here because I'm about to tell you what you wrote. Um, I think she is describing a, a world on the other side of this library that is out of proportion to ours because it is it is a smaller world, perhaps it is a, a reptile or a bird-like world, it's something that is actually physically smaller. So that the idea of the hominids that are inhabit the uh, world of the Lord of the Rings 
are a fascination that is actually the aspects of humanity to them that is fascinating our reader and here is the beauty of that is that we are attracted to this because of the conflicts less so the characters because we see these grand battles and these small internal battles and this the hero's journey if you are in a world where that is the norm you are going to be connecting to the characterizations the individuals the strange tree-like things for the love of god trees and this idea i think is what would appeal across sort of a membrane that separates us from a world that is potentially as weird as lord of the rings would be to us it's just that they have a different thing to latch on to mm-hmm. yeah this 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 world is definitely it's something and and i like i said i think we would we were both equally fascinated by each other what i'm really fascinated with is a thought that just popped into my head the fact that the the patrons of the library one of the the first gifts was uh, a, a line drawing of a cat if these creatures are probably like bird-like or lizard-like i'm really curious about the cats in their world <laughs> whoa like are they smaller cats than we have and you just couldn't tell scale because it was the only thing on the page are they enemies you know because i've seen the look on my cat's face when a bird lands on the deck and he's out there and and that is the look of someone who thinks that he's about to have some dinner good point it could also be that uh cats in that universe are uh mythical and they are the uh, the great myths of the cat that will come and nap on the world, thus enabling it to hatch the inner universe. I think this is the new mythology that I'm following as a belief system. True Delu. True Delu. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Any other thoughts on this one? Uh, I really like it. And again, uh, my, my imaginary voting is, has gotten even more complicated. So, so really... Hats off uh, to the the choosers of the stories. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was I was one of the people who nominated, and this was in fact of the three that are up there, two of them were on my ballot. Uh, the other one I just hadn't read yet, and it would have been so. Yay! <laughs> yeah, this is this is at the end of this when you you force me or try to force me to, to say what i would would vote for uh this is another one that's going to make that a far more complicated endeavor than i thought yes and you know what's great about that uh is i'm going to do it and it's not fair but it's what's got to happen <laughs> hashtag america um <laughs> hey uh hey christy what are we going to read next week we are going to read The Mermaid Astronaut by Yoon Ha Lee. Oh boy, I'm excited. Mermaid. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I like, I like Yoon Ha Lee. I really do. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Well, until then, this has been Short Story, Short Podcast. Mm-hmm.